0: to another episode of the Wedgeworth Leadership Podcast. My name is Kevin Kent, and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm excited to be joined by two Class 11 members today, Alan Jones and Charles Lanfear. Traditionally, we select class members to contribute to a blog post or newsletter in which we include in the Wedgeworth Wire. But with so much to unpack with each seminar, we thought we would continue our conversations and reflections in a podcast in order to share those experiences with everyone, whether you're in the field or on the road. So today we're reflecting on our experiences from Strawn Seminar 7, our most recent seminar, in the Tampa and St. Pete area. But before we dive into our reflection, let's get to know Alan and Charles a little bit. Alan, let's start with you. Introduce yourself and tell us how you got involved in agriculture and natural resources.
1: Uh, my name's Alan Jones, uh, owner of Jones Potato Farm. And uh, of course, Jones Potato farm is a little bit more than just a potato farm, if you will, but we're involved with all kinds of conservation, water quality, uh, community development, um, a number of things that that go hand-in-hand along with our ag business as well as uh, um, real estate investments and community development agendas uh, and goals that I've set
0: forward. Thanks, Alan. Charles, let's hear from you. Introduce yourself and tell us uh, your connection with agriculture and natural resources.
2: My name is Charles Lanfear. I'm the regional sales manager for the Southeastern Delta for Brant. We manufacture micronutrients, copper fungicides, humic acids, surfactants, and spray and sell them to a distribution network. I'm a fifth-generation Florida cracker. Uh, my family's been involved in agriculture here for over 100 years. For me, it's not just a job. It's a heritage. It's a way of life. And so it means a lot more to me than just a job or a career. I've been very fortunate to have uh, found a position at Brandt. Uh, next February will mark 20 years of work with the company, and that's, that doesn't happen a lot in my industry. There's a lot of changes that have gone on over the last 20 years for companies by other companies, and so the names have changed quite a bit, but Brant is still Brant, and uh, we intend on staying that way for quite a while. It's been a lot of fun, um, and we got a long ways to go. I'm from Avon Park, Florida. I grew up in central Florida area here where citrus, cattle, and vegetables we're all around us. It's a rural area, and so having the opportunity to grow up in it, see it, and now be a part of it has been very rewarding. Um, I've worked very hard in this industry and in, in an attempt to protect it for the next generation as well. I've served on the boards of uh, the Highlands County Citrus Growers Association, the uh, uh, Highlands County Farm Bureau Association, the FNGLA Highlands Heartland Chapter And I currently serve as chairman of the board for the Florida Fertilizer and Agrochemical Association. So I'm I'm very mindful of the men and women that work very hard and diligent in the industry and in groups such as those to protect it and give me the opportunity to work and serve. And I'm trying to do the same thing now. Uh, I was extremely excited to join Class 11 and I wanted to... Go through this program for quite some time. I think this was maybe the fourth or fifth time I've been nominated, but really the first time in my career where everything came together, where I could actually attend. And so for me, it means a lot. Um, it's a major commitment to the individual, the family, and the company. And um, I'm really pleased with the fact that I'm finally able to go to the program. Here we are midway through, and some of the things that we go through our daily lives in a leadership role, we kind of take for granted, but by going through the program, uh, it really highlights those and puts emphasis in key areas, which draw, which has drawn my attention to where I, I may have been lacking or maybe polish that up a little bit. I do remember before we started, Christy said the intent of this class is not to make you a leader, but it's to hone those leadership skills and make you a better leader, and I've really been able to capitalize on that in this program.
0: Thanks, Charles. Alan, let's go back to you and start our reflection on this past seminar. What were some of your biggest takeaways from our time in Tampa and St. Pete?
1: Well, starting uh, the seminar, we were in St. Petersburg, and so I was really interesting to hear the um, Brick Street Farms business plan and understanding of that containerized farming and how they can bring uh, an agricultural concept to a concrete jungle. You know, they, there's a lot of concerns there as far as the taxation and, and use, allowed use, in, um, within those uh, municipalities. Um, but it seems like they've conquered those and uh, have really set a great business plan forward to help feed uh, a lot of people with leafy greens without having to access those products from faraway places. You know, logistics is a big problem in today's world. Having uh, transportation costs on the rise, insurance costs on the rise. Any anytime you can develop a business model that eliminates a lot of those issues, that's one of the first keys to success. The the other thing that really stepped out or stuck out for me was the uh, presentation we got from uh, Mallory likes Dimmick and Carlton Ward. I'd met Mallory a number of years ago and, and seen her in a number of different arenas over the years. And, you know, we've been able to, uh, have a professional relationship and, and talk about a number of things over the year, over the, the years. And, and it's really great to see the, the stair steps of success that she has uh, climbed over her career, uh, Basically, through uh, interaction and, and bringing awareness to to all these different environmental issues that uh, are affecting the state of Florida, you know, we people talk about water quality. They talk about uh, farming. They talk about all kinds of different things. And so, but really, one of the biggest issues we've got in the state of Florida is a people problem. We've got a lot of people wanting to move to the state of Florida, and that uh, we've got. Uh, are reaching a tipping point uh, with the environment and the ecosystems about how we can um, still accommodate our new neighbors but yet preserve some of the things uh, that are near and dear to our hearts and essential for the health of the state of Florida from an environmental standpoint. And, of course, Carlton Ward, I mean, he his his career has just been phenomenal with uh, the work he's done uh um, bringing awareness through his artwork and and, uh, and um, photography, uh, not only just for environmental standpoint, but you know, like the story he did about the Florida cattlemen. You know, there's a direct relationship between the health, environmental health of the state of Florida and the poor Florida, Florida cattlemen. And who I, he's the only person I've really known that has, has brought that to the forefront. Um, and I think there's a, there's a bit of a tide turning, if you will, with, with different people in different arenas through interaction of, of agricultural people and, and to the, um, the more, uh, more densely populated areas about that farmers are the first environmentalists. We have to take care of our land and keep it productive. Otherwise our business will not be successful. Um, and doing that and having that mentality of taking care of your property, having uh, a good environmental management system, and hand-in-hand running with your agricultural business are really something that, that, that hits a lot of points for me and something I've tried to build my business plan around.
0: You know, I think there's a lot that we can take away from the conversation with Mallory and Carlton regarding the story that they told. But also there's a lot that we can learn from how they told their story and the efforts um, and the time they put into uh telling their story and sharing their message there, did you have any specific notes or or thoughts on uh, their efforts and how we can apply uh, some of those same strategies to telling our story as they relate to our operations or our specific industries?
1: It takes opening doors continually. You don't get there uh, just by opening one door or two doors or three doors. I mean, you got to be opening doors and saying the right things, and following that up with, a a, uh, environmental plan, if you will, uh, not only for your own operation, but to educate other folks about what they can do. And, uh, you know, there's, when you talk about water quality and environmental issues, uh, it's real easy to to address problems and throw rocks at other people. But in my opinion, the, the first thing you need to do when you start talking about these issues is to look at yourself in the mirror and ask the question, what can I do? What can I do to make a difference? And is, is it just uh, learning and discussing and having good conversations with people about working towards common goals um, will help you to get uh, where you where we need to go in the state of Florida from an environmental standpoint. Um, Mallory and Carlton, like you say, have had a great career and I look forward to seeing them in the future uh working towards these common goals
0: absolutely let's talk about the next thing that stuck out to you from tampa and saint pete
1: well uh I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a water geek i guess so anyhow i uh i enjoy uh learning about water and and the different things and so you know the desalination plan is something that i would watched uh over the years in this tampa bay region uh his successes and failures and 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 i hope uh Fortunately, they've come forward and, uh, and developed a plan that, that has success for the future. But, I mean, there's no doubt that that is the most expensive way to get drinking water, potable water, for our community. I mean, I think they mentioned, if I remember correctly, they were costing them somewhere around $6 a gallon or $6 a hundred, a thousand, I think. Well, no, $6 a thousand to uh, to de-sell that water where, you know, they were getting water out of the reservoirs for less than a dollar. And then they were having to, uh, they were selling it to the public for somewhere around $2.50, I think, per thousand. And so um, it's not the most economical way to do it. We we do live in the state of Florida where we get 50 to 60 inches of rain a year. And so, um, you know, that's a great tool to utilize uh, for drinking water sources. Um, but land is expensive as well and a lot of times open land is not uh, adjacent to these densely populated areas where you need need these uh, drinking water sources so it takes forward thinking um, to accomplish these goals it takes you know understanding where we need to be 10 15 20 years down the road and putting a, a, a plan in place to get it done today and you know It's one of the problems with with politics is that people move around a lot. They don't get elected. They have a hard time moving forward. Uh, But you have a Tampa Bay Water Authority that uh, has been proactive in developing these different concepts. Um, And so it was great to see a a broad perspective on what their concepts are, what the different costs associated with generating uh, potable water and, you know, where they see the future of it.
0: Um, Yeah, it was interesting for me to hear from them too, you know, I think it was somebody in my group that asked the question, are we, you know, this facility, you know, is is pumping out a lot, um, but is it enough? And they were already concerned about the quantity of water um, that they were going to have to supply because of the increase in folks coming to move into Florida. And so it was interesting to hear them already thinking about, you know, doing that forward thinking and thinking about the next 10, 15 years about what's next. It was interesting, but it was also scary that, you know, that big of a facility and the infrastructure that we have in place is already at its, you know, you know, maximum capacity of what we could provide to uh, Floridians and, and folks here in the state. So it does take some forward thinking. And I think that's too that's really important for Wedgeworth members. Um, to hear and be a part of because agriculture needs a seat at that table when making those big decisions about water. Um, Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Well, you know, agriculture at one time was the biggest consumer of water in the state of Florida, and I think that's drastically changed over the years. Um, Not only, unfortunately, due to the the reduction of agriculture in the state, but uh, also because of the Florida Department of Agriculture And their IFAS outreach program to implement BMPs for water saving techniques. It's been part of our water uh, permitting process that we have to meet certain efficiencies uh, within our farming operation um, to renew our permits. Um, And, you know, the outreach that FDAX has has, uh, done over the years to help me be a better farmer and educate people on on, uh, less is more. Uh, is, has been phenomenal. And I, a number of my discussions with people over the, uh, over the years has, has been to bring that playbook to a lot of different, um, arenas in the state of Florida when you're talking about environmental, uh, impacts and how we can, uh, make improvements. Uh, the outreach to John Q Public for best management practices of their business or um, residents have been minimal to none as far as water saving techniques and water quality and things like that. So, you know, unfortunately, it usually takes some sort of incentivized man- measure to engage people into doing things. And, you know, I think there's a, some great conversations to be had in the future about, um, ecological management from a, um, with the Florida Fish and Wildlife and eco- uh, environmental management, uh, with the water management districts on uh, the proper watering and fertilizer um, techniques that people can use for their homes, xeriscaping. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of great conversations that can be had and I, I really hope that, uh, you know, I can be a part of those conversations in the future to help educate people on uh, what they can do to be part of uh the sustainability plan for the state of Florida from a environmental and ecological and water consumption standpoint.
0: Sure. One final takeaway. Any anything else that stuck out on the seminar to you?
1: Well, following my my water uh, <laughs> uh, interest, uh, Brian Armstrong. Uh, getting, getting a chance to have a, a presentation from him being, being um, involved with with mud over the years. Um, he's, he was, he was uh, a wealth of knowledge and a very approachable guy. Um, you know, he's executive director for the Southwest Florida Water Management District. And um, again, I've seen him in other arenas uh, over the years. We've done some conservation work together. Um, and, uh, he is, he is a, a great guy to, uh, participate with some of these, um, water saving opportunities and conservation opportunities in the future as well as the past. But, um, and I found out he's a cigar aficionado as well. So, um, you know, all of that type, you know, it was a lot of fun going and touring the J.C. Newman Cigar Company, and understanding that they're still hand-rolling cigars right here in Tampa, Florida, and uh, and have been for the past uh, 140, 50 years, I guess. I mean, that was a a great uh, event and and great tour we went through there. I probably told more people about uh, it'd be a great day trip for somebody to go with their family or their wife to go. Have lunch in Ebor and then tour the J.C. Nimmo Cigar Company because it was uh, it shows uh, the resiliency of an industry and and uh, and and how they they've been able to uh, carry it forward with great success.
0: Yeah, and they're using some of the same if like if not most of the same equipment that they used when they started uh, when they first opened up. I, Alan, I don't know if you are still using some of the same tractors you used when you first started farming. <laughs> But man, just to go that on the tour there and to see that and the, the history that was in that building alone um, and and literally just using some of the same methods and uh, equipment that they originally used was was really awesome. Well, thank you, Alan, for sharing your experiences uh, from Seminar Seven today. Uh, up next, we're going to hear from Charles Lanfear who we met earlier in the episode. Uh, Charles, let's dive right into your reflection of our time in St. Pete and Tampa. What stood out to you?
2: My first takeaway was probably the the um, the meeting with Brick Street Farms. Um, they were They were very upfront in acknowledging that they don't see themselves as a replacement to commercial ag, but they have found a niche in a market and have really been able to capitalize on the whole movement of um, locally grown, in which they have built units that they can grow out uh, lettuce and leaf material right in the downtown area and supply local grocers with nutritious, fresh produce that's right there grown in their own backyard. So I found that to be um, pretty interesting. Um, The St. Petersburg Partnership, uh, what they've done with that area to revitalize it, restore it, and to make it into an area where it's clean, it's uh, very aesthetic, it's full of nightlife with uh, restaurants and, um, and entertainment. Uh, I think, has been monumental for that St. Pete area. And when you look at where they've come from decades ago to where they are now, you realize what type of leadership has to be in play there in order to make such a transition occur. They were very adamant about pointing out that they still have a long ways to go probably one of the major topics at the time is what to do with Tropicana Field and what's going to occur there. And they've got some they've got some unique aspects that they're looking at on how to carry that moving forward that's going to be beneficial to both the team beneficial to um, that piece of property and to the residents of St. Pete. The wildlife corridor, I always love hearing about this when I've, I've kind of been following this one for years as it's developed because it does run right through the area in which I live in. To see the passion that Carlton Ward and Mallory Dimmitt have in making a track across the corridor from the Everglades all the way up to uh, the headwaters of Lake Okeechobee has been an amazing voyage to watch them go through all that and really highlight the importance of why that corridor is so important for um, the wildlife and and nature in a state that is growing at leaps and mounds like Florida is. Um, I've heard Peter Scoach speak on several occasions, and it's always a real joy to hear him talk about <laughs> the legislative recaps. Um, I don't think there's a state that is, there are maybe some states that are comparable into their polarization of politics as Florida, but there's none that I think will surpass Um His reflection on what's going on in the past right now and what's moving forward in Florida politics is always a real joy to hear, um, especially when you're involved in associations that are trying to lobby for um, making sure that we're making sound decisions on things that aren't going to hurt us as we move forward in agriculture, uh, but are still doing the right thing and maintaining our place in this state. Uh, So to hear him talk, um, I always get a lot out of that. Um, I think for me, probably the most impactful thing though out of the seminar was on the last day uh, when we spoke with Alex Miller, Dr. Alex Miller, and she's uh, head of the Florida Trucking Association. In my industry, moving material around so that it can get to our distributors and outdoor growers is absolutely vital. And we've uh, we've have faced a lot of challenges here, in particular this last year, in freight and trucking. To hear her speak about the challenges that have occurred throughout legislation. Uh, that have made these changes, some good and some um, that have had some negative impacts, um, was really eye-opening. Um, I think it also sheds light on the fact that we have to have we have to have the discussion on tort reform in Florida because five of the largest insurance companies for trucking is, uh, for truckers have all pulled out of the state of Florida because we're such a litigious society down here. So I think at some point everyone in Florida is going to have to really face that and see what kind of changes are going to need to be made there so that we we don't have those types of issues moving forward because it's just going to cost us in the end. Her talks about changing the minimum age from 21 years old down to 18 years old to allow truckers to move interstate. Um, I think it's going to be very positive that that will go through. The autonomous trucks and where we see that going, I think is going to be, uh, something that will be a game changer in years. Of time. I've had I have shipped things in and out of the Port of Tampa for decades now, but have never had the opportunity to actually tour the Port Authority and the facilities themselves. So for me to be able to go through and actually see where this product's coming in and out of was very rewarding. Um, the way they set the area up. To protect us from both an environmental standpoint and a security standpoint is a pretty monumental task. And the work that they do um, through borders and customs and through the local uh, sheriff department and the FDLE uh, to ensure that we have a safe, secure means to transport products in and out of this country is a monumental task. Um, we take it for granted when an item shows up at our house and we don't realize how much has gone into moving that product in a global industry now. So to be able to see the container ships coming in, see the containers being unloaded, see the containers being organized on the yard, seeing the containers loaded onto ships they are going to then take them to the distribution centers and spread them out to, um, the retailers and see your front doors, just uh, it's eye opening to see for me. Very unique experience that very few people get, I think.
0: Thanks, Charles. A lot of really cool and exciting things we were able to be a part of and see in Tampa and St. Pete, a lot of old and new, and intersection of old and new, which I thought was really exciting. Up next, you know, we're headed to Gainesville, but then later this fall, we're headed to DC and Kentucky for our national trip. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you're excited about, what you're looking forward to seeing um, in DC and Kentucky?
2: I've traveled through the area for entertainment purposes in the past, but not specifically looking at um, agriculture in the Kentucky area. So I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm pretty excited to see. Um, where, what type of challenges and what type of issues that they're going through, because it seems like when we hear from folks, we can all relate to something that, that's going on with them and take some, something that they're doing that's working for them back home to help us better our situation.
0: A special thanks to Alan and Charles for reflecting with us today and sharing their experiences of the Tampa and St. Pete seminar. Up next, we're headed to Gainesville for seminar eight, and we look forward to sharing those experiences with you as well. Thanks for listening.